The cross at Calvary was a place where the greatest sacrifice known in all of the universe happened, where God took upon himself the sins of the world, past, present, and future, and dealt with them conclusively. The blood of the Holy Lamb of God was not shed to atone for sins or to cover them temporarily as the sacrifices of old. The bloodshed of the Lord himself was poured out to wash away all of our sins forever. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. In today's message, we'll be talking about remembering the hand of God in our lives. If we take the time to think about everything we owe God, it would probably be impossible to number every single thing He has done and continues to do day in and day out. There are things that God does for us that are probably obvious, but there are too many that we may be oblivious to. It is critical to take the time to remember what God has done so that true faith can emerge and a spirit of gratefulness can be cultivated. It is not good to be ungrateful with God. Today's message is inspired in the book of Joshua, chapter 4. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, hallowed and glorified be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven, O Lord. Blessing and honor and glory and praise be to you, O God, for you are worthy to be praised and worthy to be exalted for your goodness and mercy. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for forgiveness. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may please have mercy on us. I pray, Heavenly Father, for your guidance. I pray, O Lord, that you may help us to be attentive to the things that you do, that you may help us to have a spirit of gratefulness, that you help us, O Lord, to be able to see more and more clearly all the different things that we owe you. May give you thanks and I praise you, O Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the Old Testament, to the book of Joshua, chapter four. Again, it's Joshua, chapter four. This is the word of the Lord. And it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. 
So the priests who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people hurried and crossed over. Then it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people. And the men of Reuben, the men of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over armed before the children of Israel, as Moses had spoken to them. About 40,000 prepared for war crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass when the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priest's feet touched and the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Do you like feeling unappreciated? I think we all many times feel unappreciated or taken for granted, especially by our loved ones, by those closest to us. We probably feel like not many people see the different things we do for them day in and day out. I think this is a very common sentiment throughout. It's probably fair to say that most people feel unappreciated or that people are ungrateful with them in one way or another. Most people feel like they are taken for granted. Many husbands don't feel appreciated, just like many wives don't feel appreciated either. Many parents don't feel appreciated by their children also, and sometimes it happens vice versa that the children don't feel appreciated. I don't think anyone likes to deal with ungrateful people, right? Most people feel like they are in one-sided relationships, that one party is taking more from the other, that most people take rather than give. It's a common problem. There are just not enough thank yous in the world. There are a lot of things and people taken for granted. There are a lot of sacrifices and efforts overlooked. I think most of us would agree that we do not like dealing with ungratefulness. But despite the fact that we don't like it, we somehow still need to go and do what we need to do, right? But wouldn't some measure of gratefulness make us at least feel better? And for people to show their gratefulness somehow, like visibly or tangibly. I think that there are many reasons for why there is so much ingratitude in the world. People in general don't take the time to think about what is being done for them. Many people just take things for granted because they either don't understand the level of effort involved or maybe because they think that people owe them what they're getting somehow. Or maybe because they are so focused on other things that they just do not put themselves in a place where they can see their surroundings more clearly. 
Most people are so fixated on their own desires, goals, and wishes, and on achieving those, that they do not see everything else that happens around them and or things done for them. Maybe the ungratefulness happens because many people were not taught good manners consistently when growing up. And many times, it's not just about saying please and thank you, although things that are as simple as that are missing most of the time. I think we can all agree that there should be more gratefulness than just mere words. The Bible talks about something that most refer to as the golden rule, and that is, and just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. In other words, treat others the way you want to be treated. Sound familiar? And you know this applies to God also, and not just between us people. And so having said that, let me ask you this question now. Are you grateful to God for all of the things He has done for you? Do you remind yourself of all the different things God has done for you in the past? One of the things that is essential in life is remembering all of the things God has done for you. For instance, we read in the book of Psalms all of the different ways David was grateful to the Lord. In Psalm 136, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His mercy endures forever. David also wrote this, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. Now, some of you might say, what has God done for me? And I would have to say that if we really pay attention, it is very difficult to count just how many things we owe the Lord. King David also said this about just how much we owe God when he said, O Lord, how manifold are your works in wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. God created everything, including you and me. And so, at a very personal level, we owe God our existence. God made us. God allowed for you that you are listening to exist. And included with that, it is God's will that allows for you at this very moment to live and breathe as you are doing. Science explains to us that our bodies do certain things involuntarily to keep us alive, like breathing and our hearts beating. But these things do not happen on their own. These are not accidents. Life is possible because God wills it to be possible. The Bible also explains it in this manner. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. Nothing in this world, or rather in this universe, can exist unless God allows them to through his very existence. He made everything and he keeps everything running per se. So your heart beats because he wills it. Your lungs breathe because he wills them to. He gives us the air we breathe so our lungs have something to work with. Think about your mind and all of the thoughts and operations that are going on at this very moment. God allows for all that to happen, both your involuntary and voluntary actions. Your mind operates so many things in your body without you consciously thinking about them. 
Think about all your different bodily functions. Do you control your digestion? Do you think about the metabolization of your food? Do you think, for instance, about when you eat and what you're going to do with that? No. That all happens because God allows that to happen. Think about your senses. If you can see, it's because He wills it. If you can hear, taste, touch, and smell, that's because He allows it to happen through your body's functions. All of the data your body and mind processes at every moment occurs because God allows for that to happen. Are you starting to get the picture? Think about other things mankind has no control over on a daily basis. Think about the vastness of space. Think about all the planets and stars and matter out there. We imagine somehow what they are and where they are and what they do, but have absolutely no control over any of it. We really don't know for certain what is out there because we have not been able to see it physically or experience it personally. We have sent probes and other crafts out there, but we haven't seen these things for ourselves. Think about your planet. Do we have any control over our planet and how it maintains its orbit around the sun? Is it man's will that allows for this planet to do everything it does in the vastness of space? No. Do we keep control over gravity? Do we control the spin of the world on its axis? Does mankind make days and nights possible? There are so many things we have absolutely no control over, yet they all happen because God established it at some point and His person makes what they do possible. His own being wills for all these things to continue happening. So how much do we owe God? How many things happen at every moment far away from us, around us, and even within us that we do not have any control over, that God is behind them? And those are just a few things we can mention at the moment. There is so much more that we can talk about, but do not have the time because they are truly countless, especially if you start dividing into the details of each of them. Yet some people still think to themselves, what has God done for me? The question probably should be, what God hasn't done for me? When we start thinking about everything we owe the Lord, something should happen deep within us. A certain realization of just who the Lord is and what He is capable of doing. The Bible says, for instance, in Romans chapter 1, the following, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. When we start taking the time to think about everything God has made and just how much we owe Him, there should be this sense of awestruck wonder that should start happening within us. God is truly great. The Bible attempts in so many different ways to express who God is and what He does, but I guess language can only do so much. Language has its limitations. There are those around His throne that understand better who God is and what He does. And all they can do is just praise Him and fall down and worship Him. The Apostle John gave us this very limited description of what happens around the throne of God, where it says, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one set on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and like a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. 
Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, twenty-four elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. And so it is hard to put into words. The only thing that can be done is praise and worship him to somehow be able to express acknowledgement of the different things God does at every moment. There are just too many things and they're immense in nature. And I have only given physical world examples of what God is involved with. We can't even begin to think about the invisible universe. That's why it is not good to imagine and let our thoughts wander into the unknown because we just don't have the capacity or the knowledge to do so. It would be a good thing to stay within our limits. My advice is to try to stay within what the Bible explains. Others have tried looking into other things outside and the only thing that's gotten them is self-destruction and eternal condemnation. There is only one eternal life through Jesus Christ and in the words of the Bible. Everything else is demonic confusion and futile thoughts, which brings me to the ultimate thing we do owe God, the opportunity to have eternal life through Jesus Christ. The Bible explains that we were born with sin thanks to Adam and Eve. That was the inheritance they gave us. Romans chapter 5 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. And the book of Psalms says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. So you see, this is what we have to deal with on our own. And since we have all sinned, we all fall short of the glory of God. Our destiny on our own is hell, and there is nothing we could do about it by ourselves. But here is where we see the mercy, grace, and love of God. For it is written, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am also reminded of the most widely known verse in the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity for eternal life. I have to say it's an opportunity because a person needs to choose for the Lord. A person needs to make a fully conscious decision to ask the Lord to become just that, the Lord of their life. For it says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Here is where we understand through the scriptures that we are not born children of God. 
We need to receive Jesus Christ into our lives in order to have the right to become children of God. We need to have a living faith that is tangible to God in our lives in order to be his. But the opportunity within itself is truly unbelievable. God chose within himself to give us this opportunity, something that we cannot earn or do on our own. He put it within our grasp as a gift. And this within itself, if a person has decided to be born again in Christ by repenting and converting from all sins and asking the Jesus to be the Lord of their lives, it is something immeasurable because it is something eternal. If it were not for the Lord, we would be eternally separated from God destined to live out eternity in perpetual condemnation in a place where the Bible explains that there will be constant weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Bible mentions this final place separated from God as the lake of fire. It is a place we deserve to go to because of our sins, whether you agree or disagree to believe that. But God showed his love and grace to us by allowing for his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to take our place on the cross. This is what we celebrate today in the United States, for instance. Today is Good Friday, a day that we have established as a country to remember the crucifixion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. The cross at Calvary was a place where the greatest sacrifice known in all of the universe happened, where God took upon himself the sins of the world, past, present, and future, and dealt with them conclusively. The blood of the Holy Lamb of God was not shed to atone for sins or to cover them temporarily as the sacrifices of old. The bloodshed of the Lord himself was poured out to wash away all of our sins forever. The sins of those that do repent and convert and make that same Lord the effective and literal Lord of their lives. That's what happened on the cross. The cross is the eternal symbol of what God did for all mankind. And if you have adopted and embraced faith in Jesus Christ, it should be also the place that you remember forever, where God took your place, took your sin debt, and paid it all off so you could have entry into his kingdom. Now, do you remember the moment that God came into your life? Do you have a moment like that where you repented and converted from all your sins and asked Jesus Christ to become the effective and literal Lord of your life? If you did, you would remember that moment because that is when everything changes in the life of a person. When darkness turns into light, where life is produced despite of the spiritual death we are in. The Lord changes everything when He steps into your life, when you hand Him control. I remember when I gave my life to the Lord, I was lost, without hope, without no one to lean on, and sick beyond modern medicine's healing capabilities. At that time, when I surrendered my life over to the Lord, everything changed. If it wasn't for the Lord, not only would I have been destined to go to hell, but I would have died physically at some point, soon enough. God gave me a new life, a new beginning, a new hope, and through His power, not only did He save and regenerate my soul back to life, but He also healed me. Over 40 years later, I can tell you with the greatest certainty and conviction that God is God and that Jesus Christ is the answer to all things. I don't have a stone to remind me that I crossed the river at some point, but I have something greater than that. I have the cross as the eternal symbol, as a constant reminder of where God performed his greatest miracle for me and that it doesn't matter anymore that much whether I live or die. 
I know that my life is safe in his hands because I have embraced his sacrifice, his love for me, the salvation that can only be found through the Lord Jesus Christ. All I can tell you that are listening right now is that if you have genuinely made Jesus the Lord of your life, you would know him through and through. But if you don't know him yet as that incredible and mighty and loving God that he is, I would urge you to come to him, to grasp and lay hold to that salvation that he offers to all who come humbly before him. I urge you to make the cross your symbol, your sign, a remembrance of the greatest thing God has ever done for you, where he washed away your sins and gave you the hope of eternal life. This goes beyond wrapping a cross necklace around your neck or getting a cross to hang on a wall in your home somewhere. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But the cross becomes your symbol, your reminder of the decision you made to effectively repent and convert from all your sins and make Jesus Christ the literal Lord of your life. The greatest thing about the concept of the cross our Lord is no longer hanging on it. Our Lord was nowhere to be found in the tomb he was laid in after being crucified. God the Father raised him from the dead at the third day, and he is now sitting at his right hand. Our Lord died, but he now lives forever and ever as the King of kings and Lord of lords, as the one who was and is and is to come. Our Lord lives and reigns. If you haven't done so yet, would urge you to receive and surrender to the Lord today. Today can be your day of salvation. Today can be a day of perpetual remembrance for you. Today can be the day that everything changed for you forever, just as it did for me. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I praise you, I worship you, Lord. I exalt you, O Lord. And Heavenly Father, though, more words, escape me heavenly father because i can't say enough but lord you are so good and great in all kinds of different ways i give you thanks for your love i give you thanks for your son jesus christ i give you thanks for the salvation and grace that we find through him i give you thanks O oh lord because you are so great and so good to us that you give us the opportunity of salvation as a gift heavenly father lord god Help us, O oh Lord, to remember that you made us and that you also rescued us from our sin and that you gave us an eternal hope through Jesus Christ. I pray for everybody that's listening right now, Lord God, wherever they are. I pray in the name of Jesus that if they have not yet come to know you, as they need to know you for their own salvation, I pray, Heavenly Father, that they may be able to that they may be able to acknowledge and repent from all of their sins, that they might be able to turn away from them without any excuse, Lord God. And Heavenly Father, they might be able to accept Jesus as the Lord of their lives for their own salvation. I pray, Heavenly Father, that they might be able to find the faith to be able to believe with all of their heart and confess it with their mouth so that the miracle can happen. I give you thanks and I praise you, O Lord. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise. I praise you, Heavenly Father, for the cross. Because through the cross is that you washed away all of our sins. And through the raising of Jesus Christ from the dead, we have the hope of eternal life. May you be praised forever and ever. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.